my friends, the great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Hidden. Trink. Trink. Would you look at that? The greatest trink. Trink. And your people, you're all astronauts on some kind of star. Trink. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We are here to do... I mean, it, uh, I have notes this week. So oh, not, really? Not exactly what we did last week. I don't know. I was kind of thrilled by what we did last week. <laughs> I think a lot of people were. Yeah. You read the comments, and I always do. Why do you do that? Yeah. I was uh, just imagining people were smash hit episode by us <laughs> really dinged it out of the park yeah the people that send us tweets about how our star trek podcast has about 60 percent star trek content will be certainly happy with last week's episode that should be a square on the board of the hit star trek podcast greatest generation it already is isn't it we just never hit it the no note square we've hit no notes for sure yeah but yeah, maybe it should be more often and there should... We should do more No Notes episodes than Bathtub episodes. Yeah, and and for some reason we've done like three Bathtub episodes and one No Notes episode. But here's what we should do is there should be a, the No Notes episode, but then there should also be the No Adam Notes episode and the No Ben Notes episode. Okay. So one of us has the benefit of having thought of ideas ahead of time. I like that. And the other does not. Great. Because that's... I mean, what people are asking for are more squares on the game board of our other hit Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Engage. No gamification necessary over here on Greatest Trek. <laughs> yeah, people don't people don't want fun and games over here. This no. is serious shit. Right over the plate, Star Trek podcasting. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We make Mission Log look like Trek geeks. We make Mission Log look good. <laughs> and then we put on wraparound Oakley sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry my office is full of mosquitoes today. Yeah, if, you, if you're listening closely to this episode and you hear the sound of one hand clapping, <laughs> that's me trying to get a mosquito that has been really irritating me. My dad can actually clap with one hand. He can really get like a... I can't do it. The, the he can, he viewers can... at home are seeing you do kind of a jack-off motion with a limp hand. <laughs> yeah, it's all on the wrist. Maravilloso. Both of my parents can whistle super loud. Did you get it? I didn't get it. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. I don't know. There has been a mosquito outbreak in Los Angeles. It's crazy. And no one is safe from them. There's like news articles about, yes, there is a new kind of mosquito and they're more annoying. Apparently they're more dangerous because old kind mosquitoes get their fill and then like go yeah. hang out somewhere else. And these guys are, they snack. So they go from person to person. So yeah. you can get bloodborne pathogens just from like somebody sitting next to you because a mosquito, like it's fucked. It sucks. And they go low too. Like they're all over legs and ankles. My wife looks like she's wearing rosary beads around her ankles. Like she gets got. Big yeah, time. Yeah. Well, Adam, when they go low, we go high. And that's why we're e eating jazz gummies to <laughs> not feel as bad about the whole mosquito thing. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, mosquitoes. Hope you get high on my supply. <laughs> my, my parents were just here in town visiting. And uh, on their way out, my mom said, hey, can I get a couple of jazz gummies to take with me? What? She listens to the show. She learns all our fucking stupid nomenclature for stuff. And she wanted me to give, she, she was asking for microdose gummies. And I was like, well, if you go buy them, it benefits the show. Right. Drugs can make you feel good. And she's like, yeah, but I don't know if I like them. So I just want to, I want to try before I buy. Has but she I, not listened to an ad? I know. I was all out of the uh, official microdose gummies. So I had to give her a uh, different brand. Which, like, uh, 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 <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was like like a friend of mine visited town, didn't want to fly with them. And I was like, it shouldn't be a problem. But yeah, go ahead and leave them with me. 
But then I had to like tell my mom how to like dose her high. I don't like that. That's a tough conversation. My mom is a boomer. I grew up in the drugs are bad dare years. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Yeah. I grew up being scolded very harshly for even the idea of them. Like my mom picked me up at like a kid's house one time at like freshman year of high school as a kid that she didn't know yet. And she was like, were people doing a lot of drugs there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like it was... It was such a puritanical era. Yeah. It really. I was on the phone with my dad was in the room when this happened. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Is this a trick? I mentioned that I was tired to a friend of mine in middle school. And my mom was like, are you on drugs? (laughs) Because if you do drugs, I'm kicking you out of the house. Wow. (laughs) I had friends whose parents drug tested them. Oof. They like, I guess you could go to the pharmacy and buy a, like a piss test kit. I'm fairly confident if drug tests were as easy to get when I was growing up, that would have been a thing for me. And you know what that means? I would have been asking my friends for urine a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot more than you did before that became an issue. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, guys, uh, can I get like an extra bucket this week? (laughs) In this, you get it by the bucket. (laughs) An unlidded bucket. Yeah. You just, you you bring a bucket to school. Your friends all stand around it and piss in it. Yeah. It's Ookie Bucket. (laughs) For piss. Whoever finishes last has to drink. God, that's so disgusting. We we lost every viewer. Yeah. With that comment. We were on track to like gain a lot of viewers, right? Yeah, I think the promise of the last episode really got people excited. Oh, yeah, excited. definitely people passed that around and said, if you like Star Trek, you're really going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to get into this episode of Star Trek, Adam? There are a ton of moms out there asking their kids for the latest episode <laughs> of Greatest Trek and they're like, just cut it in half, because I like you know half what? is a lot for me. So maybe cut it in quarters. Start with the Marin yeah. and see how you feel after that. <laughs> it's season one, episode twelve of Star Trek Prodigy. Let sleeping Borg lie. Borgs. You know the greatest danger facing us is irrational fear of the unknown. All my mark, go back. We open on the Protostar's holodeck. Yeah. Where we watch a conversation happening between Gwyn and the Diviner, where he describes the idea behind the weapon on the ship. I could have really used this scene in the last step because I know that we saw this before, but I, I just like didn't remember it that vividly. So, so re-seeing it from the perspective of people standing in the holodeck helped. If this technology was available to Gwyn the entire time, why is she walking around complaining <laughs> about her memory loss? <laughs> For two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to regain all of your memories in real time is tantamount to just reliving your entire life in real time, right? Like, I wonder if the holodeck can kind of uh, give you the, the cliff notes of your memories. I guess. I mean, this scene was confusing on a couple of levels. First is like, it's in media race. You're like, where are we? What is this? Huh? Why is the diviner acting totally fine with the fact that Dal is there? Right. And then right on the heels of that is was the question about why Gwyn isn't slowly rebuilding her memory using the holodeck. Right. We don't get that. We don't find out why Murph is sick, but Murph is apparently sick. Sick of talking about time travel, I guess. Oh, yeah. Murph is just like kind of bored with this as a thing that Star Trek does over and over again, and it's never that great. Murph is great for changing the subject. (laughs) Uh, Zero is worried that Hollow Zero might have the same effect on everyone as Real Zero had on Gwyn when they unsuited themselves. Woo! Computer and playback! That is such a different read than mine when I saw this this moment because because zero shuts off the program yeah after seeing themselves portrayed and i saw it as just like bumming out again at the idea of 
of hurting their friends. I didn't see it as the potential for danger that you did, but that's an interesting read. This is another thing. Like we were talking about in the episode of Voyager where Tom Paris is wrenching on his classic American muscle car. Yeah. A camera. And the doctor comes in and beeps the horn while he's under the hood. Like, could the holodeck safeties protect your hearing from a situation like that? Yeah. Could, like... Could the holodeck make a Medusin that drives you mad if you see it? If you see the hologram of the Medusin? I mean, I, depending on how you read Zero's actions here, I think that might be possible. I couldn't live with myself if I hurt anyone else. Or does Zero just not want to risk it? It's not something you want to test because it, it's like you, you can't go back. I don't think this is a great episode for Zero, and I think it starts here because Zero is a person who makes things about themselves. And we get it, Zero. Yeah. You you took off your suit and you hurt some people, but lots of people are making mistakes on this crew. Dal may be first and foremost. <laughs> Dal is the worst to feel bad about. Yeah. So this kind of jogs everybody's memory, including mine, that there's something on the protostar that's designed to destroy Starfleet when mm-hmm. it makes it to Starfleet. We still don't know why it was buried in that asteroid, but we do know that what's on it is meant to cause the destruction of Starfleet. And we've seen a little bit of the potential of that in the last episode, but they're they're starting to talk about like, you know, if this thing is on the ship, we got to find it. Right. And so there's a very brief montage of them, like, looking in cupboards and stuff. It's like anybody that's seen Star Trek VI is like, oh, here we go. We're going to get the the montage of turning the ship upside down. And it goes by so fast. I know. I want a little bit more of this. No, if the shoe fits scene. No. Nope. Perhaps you know Russian epic of Cinderella. Yeah, give me the if the shoe fits scene with Murph. <laughs> Murph's sick, man. That wouldn't be nice. Yeah. But they realize that they haven't looked high and low on the bridge. So that's the last, it's always the last place you look, right, Adam? Right. So they whip out the like inside edition UV lights and start looking for cum on the bridge. Anywhere that Murph has slimed around is going to be obscured. Oh, my God. The ship is going to look disgusting. Is Murph the sort of slug that is like the silly putty that doesn't really leave a trail that is instead like picking up the newsprint as they move around? Or is oh, there a wetness? Yeah. A discharge, if you will. Right. Is, is Murph backwards family circus slug? <laughs> <laughs> or sprinkle salt and kill it slug? Yeah. This show assumes we're more interested in Zero than Murph, and it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The Diviner uh, hid a secret keyhole using cum, and they find it, and they open this thing in the floor, and it leads down. It's where they load in the food for the night's dinner service. Right. And Hologram Janeway is like, I didn't know that there was another deck here. It's like the... 17th and a half floor of the ship. I'm I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're saying to me right now. And they go down there and it's the fucking gravity core from the event horizon down there. Yeah. The heart of the ship. This place is not a tomb. Liberate. It's where the gravity core is. Tuteme. Yeah. (laughs) I love all the fucking around they do with this thing that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, Trying to shoot it, trying to touch it. There's a tremendous amount of fucking around and very little finding out. Like, I know. I wanted this thing to fight back a little bit. I thought when Jankum Pog shot this thing that there was going to be a ricochet. Maybe it's like. And then Murph's dead. Maybe it's like an Adidas thing where it's like everybody's like, wow, so they're just not going to do anything. And then the device does something like a week later and everybody's yeah. like, so what was the waiting about? If you right. were going to do it. Yeah. Because it seemed weird that you didn't even say anything. Yeah. I like how you brought current events into this moment of the episode. Yeah. Thanks. I'm trying to do like interesting stuff with the show. I like it. Yeah. Why didn't Zero take off their suit at this thing was a question I had. Wow. Like, because this episode is very much about like repaying the emotional debt that a person feels when they fuck up. Yeah. 
Yeah. What better way than to send the kids back upstairs, unzip that suit, and uh, and show your gases to this thing? Hey, uh, would you leave me alone with the weapon and uh, get some ideas? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and turn the lights out. Put a Marvin Gaye record on, lights a couple of candles. Right? The Federation's survival may depend on it. So they get a warning beacon from back up the hurrah, and it's a it's an alert from the bridge that there's another ship in close proximity. And they go up there, and it's a Borg's cube, and it's just there. Yeah. I didn't think that the Protostar was on the move. Neither did I. It's. It, I mean, the ship doesn't stop itself, right? So the Borg's cube pulled up to them, except the. We're told later that the Borg's cube was. Like everyone's asleep on it. it. Yeah, the Borg, the Borgs on it are sick and not working properly. So it's so random. It, it is so out of left field that this happens in this episode that uh, I was a little confused. But uh, we then have to explain what Borgs are to children. And <laughs> Holly Cram Janeway takes this weighty job on herself. And... Right. Uh, does a medium good job. I'm an advisor. I advise you to run away as fast as you can. This is an episode that is like playing with like how many horror elements can we have in a kid's show? Like how how far can we push the envelope in scaring the kiddos? And I think that you have to be pretty careful about this moment, right? Because the scenes that follow can be more or less scary based on how scary Janeway describes the Borgs as being. Well, I also want to argue that the care you need to demonstrate when you break a story like this is twofold. It's not just about how much can you get away with scaring the kids. It's how much can you get away with defanging the greatest threat to Star Trek slash Starfleet there has ever been. Right. During Hollow Janeway's explanation of the Borgs, there is a kind of moment of clarity that Dal finds himself in, which is like, if these Borgs are so smart and strong in this way, maybe they can do something about our stowaway down below. Yeah, maybe we can make them take care of it. Because like the, the description of like they adapt to any weapon... I mean, the stowaway is described as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, simplistic childlike thinking on Dal's part. But I mean, the idea is hatched that why don't we go over there and see if we can get some answers. We slip in, use their cube to tell us how to disarm it. We slip out. And Zero is right there to be like, yeah, they're all asleep. So we could totally do that. Yeah. And Hollow Janeway is like, you guys are kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should do the description one more time, but scarier this time so right. that you kind of get the sense of what a terrifying nightmare this actually is. I don't think Hollow Janeway did a good job. Yeah. Because if, if they did, there's no way the kids would go over. Hologram Janeway advises them not to do this, and Hologram Janeway is overruled. But Admiral Janeway has also been overruled, Adam. Mm. She is ordering tea. Black. Right. And as soon as she takes her first sip, she's like, computer set auto destruct. <laughs> I'm going to clink the silver spoon against the side of the glass a couple of times. And then I'm going to unwrap this sugar cube that's in an individual paper packet and drop it in. I've tried the tea both with sugar and without. It's terrible both ways. (laughs) (laughs) This tea is fucking bullshit compared to coffee. (laughs) She's on the shovel ship and Ensign Essentia is there to greet and ask why in the hell she's drinking tea. And Janeway kind of doesn't give us a straight answer. Something medical. Doctor's orders. Yeah. Some medical reason. Her Let- poops were too urgent. Probably. Worth it. <laughs> I think you deal with the poops to have the delicious coffee. I 
I would too, personally. Yeah. They're talking about the guy that they found at the end of the last episode that's down there in Six Bay. And so we meet Dr. Noam, the Tellarite physician aboard the USS Shovel. And yeah. uh, he's he's like, yeah, like, I mean, would love to revive this guy, but I don't know fuck all about him. Considering he seems like a frozen corpse, any side of life means I'm a miracle worker. It's weird. He's wearing like a puffy green jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You get the sense that he's going to wear a different jacket every season. Yeah. It's like, wow, okay. I guess that's the look. You wish you had this coat. He is a 10 out of 10 in irascible doctor energy. He really is. He uh, he took a page from the Bones playbook. Yeah. He really, what, what was the, what's the Ensign's name? Ensign Essentia. Essentia. I, my mouth really catches on Ensign Essentia. Ensign Essentia. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. The yeah. tip of the tongue, the teeth and the lips. Yeah. She kind of gets dragged by this doctor for being a kiss ass. Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> pretty rough. Like, she's like, yeah, like maybe we could revive this guy by giving him the goo from his suit. And he's like, boy, Ensign Essentia. Sticking her nose up the admiral's ass. I'd be a lot further along in my career if I did that kind of shit. You could get a good look at an admiral's ass by sticking your nose up there. (laughs) But I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. (laughs) It's like, Jesus, Dr. Noam, chill the fuck out. We've never seen the diviner so weak or... Like, I've never had such an empathetic feeling towards this character. Like, he's really laid up. Yeah. Poor and kind of guy. babbling. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to hurt anyone. He's talking about they took his daughter. Nobody knows what he's talking about, though. No. No, he seems like a person they want to help. Yeah. The sooner he recovers, the sooner we'll have answers. Back in uh, the A story, we learn about the, the neurological pathogen that shut down the drones on this cube and the... A concept that a child would totally grasp. Yeah. And the protostar like enters the cube. It it goes in and like touches down on a landing pad in there. I mean, this is a concept that was introduced in Star Trek Picard. Yeah. But that was a museum ship. Right. This. Yeah. I mean, I guess cubes are so big that like it's conceivable that they have all this stuff. If your primary goal is assimilation, you also want to be a good host yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you want to invite people to be assimilated, so maybe you roll give them out a the green pad. carpet and yeah. and really welcome them to the, to that cube life. Yeah. Uh, Jangum Pog has been pretty skeptical about that cube life. Yeah. Up until now, but when he gets aboard the ship and sees all the tech, he is really wet for this thing, <laughs> and uh, he's like hugging it when they point out the uh, the presence of creepy drones recharging everywhere right in a muppet babies kind of scale of things though also right (laughs) like like this drone looks enormous yeah it's like up on something but yeah Yeah. they're i guess they're all short i guess rock talk is bigger than a drone yeah rock talk is bigger than the average drone i will say sure we do meet like a dino drone later that is probably about about an even weight class as rock talk yeah they're big fun uh, but yeah, they're, they're looking for, uh, this thing called the finculum, uh, which is the, it's a thing that cities used to have that, uh, take you up a hill in a little cart. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's still one in, uh, in LA. I think, uh, yeah. I think you can ride it for free. It's fun. That's neat. Wow. So this is the, the central mind connection hub, which I was shocked to learn a Borg cube would have because my understanding was that they had sort of a strangely generalized <laughs> design. Yeah. If I'm looking at this concept from a, from a mosquito's point of view, and I can't help but look at anything <laughs> that way after spending any amount of time in your office, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Makes yeah. me wonder why they would do something like this. Yeah. It's really nice, all the like little explosive chaff that's blowing up all around us. Yeah. The figulum seems like the thing that you want to go for if you're going to attack a Borg's cube. Right. And it's right there. It's the part of the beard I can't really grow either. Like mm. the part where the figulum is. Right. Yeah. That's an important part. I know. 
That's uh, you know who could really grow a lot on the finculum? Hitler. Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) You know, say what you will about Hitler. Mm. That guy could really grow it on the finculum. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't all bad. We get a little uh, Laurel and Hardy routine here because it's like, uh, hey, we need somebody to volunteer to join the Borgs Collective to ask him about destroying this weapon. What do we got? We got zero volunteers. Zero volunteers? So nobody? No, I said zero. Who's going to volunteer? <laughs> I thought you said zero volunteers. No, so so we don't have any volunteers. No, I swear, Zero has volunteered for this. We got Zero right here. But in, is anybody going to volunteer to join the collective? <laughs> yeah, uh, Zero still looking to repay their guilt debt yeah. here by volunteering for a, not a suicide mission, but an assimilation mission. An assimilation mission that Zero feels they are uniquely suited to... Yeah resist the horrors of because zero has been in a collective conscience before and you know you can get out if you can get out once you can get out whenever you want and uh so zero goes in and the virtual space in which zero communicates with the collective shockingly visually similar to the real space inside of borg's cube yeah I was expecting a real meta kind of place where yeah. like no one's got legs and like you've been pitched the idea of it being very cool and interesting. But you're like, why is it what, like, why is it so badly rendered? Like, but it's really super dumb. Instead of being an internet that we look at, it's an internet that we can be inside of. Yeah. Like everybody's hands are jumping around <laughs> all over the place. Like this is what you've been spending billions of dollars like you yeah. like literally unlimited resources to throw at this and this is what it looks like. Yeah. So Zero starts talking to the collective and the hentai tentacles come out really quickly. Yeah, Zero initially is like, "All right, kind of getting their equilibrium here." Like, "Oh, I remember what this is like to have a, a bunch of voices talk at you at once." And then they're overcome by both the voices and the tentacles when we cut away. Yeah. This is making the drones come back on. And Hologram Janeway is radioing to the gang like, hey, uh, whatever you're doing down there is uh, having a bad effect uh, overall on the readiness of the cube to kill us all. And even though our ship is inside this ship, I can't beam you away. So you've got to run. Yeah. So they start running. We meet this dino drone. Fascinated by dino drones. Resistance is futile. Yeah. I want dino drone to be an action figure. They allow the dino drone to keep his face horns. Yeah. They didn't like mill one off and put a Borg part in its place. Yeah. I think part of the body horror to the Borgs throughout their existence is the asymmetry of the implants and how they look on people. Yeah. And there's something unfortunately benign about symmetry in a Borg that this dino drone has because of the two horns. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, but also dino drone. So yeah, gets away with it. Also dino drone. (laughs) They run because that's what they're ordered to do, and they immediately find themselves on a Mortal Kombat style <laughs> suspension bridge. Yeah. Dell shoots first. He does. And I think there's no mistake about that. You will be assimilated. Nah, I'm good. Does he shoot to kill? Like, is that a phaser set to kill? It's an interesting question because no one talks about it before it happens. Dal just shoots. Dal just shoots. And then, like, I mean, Gwen hits him with the, the bat. They quickly learn that when you shoot a second time, Borgs have shields. Right. But, like, Rock Talk kills a couple of them. Like, like there's, some murders are happening in this. They're drones, but they're, they're getting murdered. There's no adaptation to a Terry Tate office linebacker move where... <laughs> Where you're like night trained off of the side. Yeah. I mean, you sort of start to realize why Rock Talk's mouth looks the way it does when Rock Talk is uh, is taunting a yeah. drone that she's just knocked off the bridge. Like, 
Woo! <laughs> yeah, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so much more intimidating <laughs> when you see those teeth. These suspension cables play a crucial part in the action sequence because one of them appears to break on its own and then Dal starts shooting well, the well, cables. It's Jankum's fault. He, he's got the flamethrower effect on his arm and he hits oh, right. He hits a drone with that and then he like burns one of the cables up and then he's like, that was uh, that just happened spontaneously. It's a good thing that the Borg's cube is made with uh, like we've said it all the time one suspension bridge is none mm-hmm. two is one right. there's one right below it yeah also nice that they used like hemp rope to hold up their suspension bridge so it's vulnerable to fire really interesting moment here when the bridge cables are cut in such a way that it frees Gwyn while keeping the rest of the kid crew up top to be taken prisoner. And they're like, save yourself, save zero to Gwyn. Maybe even a save yourself from hell kind of message. And so you see the the tubules go into their necks and the colors start to leave their faces. And like Gwyn is alone now. She has to escape by herself because the entire rest of the crew have been assimilated. I think Gwen's alone now. <laughs> the diviners are dead, and she thinks he's dead. Yeah. I think Gwen's alone now. The protostar crew have been assimilated. This feels like the moment of most fear in the episode, right? Not only are you on this Borg's cube, but you're also alone, and without the ability to fight back and all your friends are about to be assimilated. And this is the moment that Hollow Janeway tells her to not get aggressive. Right. Drop your weapons. You can walk past drones. If they don't think you're a threat, they won't fuck with you. Yeah. And we kind of like go to commercial and like the they split up thing sort of feels like it was an irrelevant story development. Yeah. We're in the vinculum for a moment here where Zero asks the Borgs for help destroying the weapon, a weapon that has since been described as the living construct. Yeah. And the Borg consciousness is like, cool, thanks for telling us about this great weapon. We're going to use it. Yeah. No, that's not what we... I mean, what I want. Irrelevant. Your crew will be assimilated to advance the Borg. Zero is so fucking naive to think that this would work, right? They're all kids. But yeah, like the naivete of the entire premise of the episode is laid bare in this moment. And then Gwen is like trying to help the rest of them who are like on schismed tables Mm -hmm. getting ready to be assimilated. They're not getting tubuled. And then Zero comes out and it's it's green Zero. So you can tell Zero is under the sway of the collective. And it's that classic like fighting the evil inside your mind scene. The only reason that this scene works is the data scene at the end of Star Trek First Contact, right? Right. Like, without that proving the point, this is totally unbelievable. The idea that you could resist. This is the case. Gwyn is like, you've got to resist this thing that has you in in their sway. Zero already feeling guilty and bad for what they've done previously. There's a couple of layers to this scene, right? Because Zero goes on and on about their guilty feelings and about how assimilating will make those feelings go away. But there's also the idea that Zero has fallen in with this gang that makes Zero (laughs) feel stronger in the wake of this bad moment. Yeah, which is, you know, tempting when you're a dead-end kid. Sure. You know, feeling the power of being part of something. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You don't have to join a gang. You can just slick back your hair and listen to weird music. (laughs) And then hopefully Starfleet will pick you up. Yeah, that's all you need to do. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals. 
and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult, and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy, jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, this old enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
eventually, like, Good Zero overcomes Drone Zero, and it releases a sleep data sleep pulse, like the end of Best of Both Worlds. Well, this was my question. Like, is this a Medusan power? Like, could Zero do this? Like, Zero's wearing the suit. What is this? Yeah. I don't know. Because I thought the suit was supposed to prevent this sort of thing. It's very unclear. Yeah. I, I mean, like, there are many things about this episode that I feel like are, you know, I think it may have been a mistake for this show to dabble in Borgs. I fully agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this KOs the drones. Uh, Zero explains, oh, this is just temporary. Like, the, uh, gotta get out of here. This is always a good, ooh, gotta get out of here. And uh, so, yeah, the they head back to the ship and they're like, dang, well, the living construct, the evil weapon that lives under the floorboards of our spaceship. The telltale construct. (laughs) Just beaten away down there and not even the Borgs can disable it or, or remove it. Like, could you ever live this way? Like I have such a hard time. You've seen how messy my garage is. You know, I can live this way. Parts of my home right now are under construction (laughs) and like, it drives me crazy. (laughs) I could not live with this under my floorboards. Yeah. No, it sucks. I mean, like, I guess it's because it's future tech, right? Like nobody has the technology to remove it. But so they're like making peace with it in this scene. And Dallas like, yeah, man, like, well, Starfleet knows what I am, but we can't go there because this would be too dangerous for them. So I feel like the show wants you to believe this is a noble sacrifice, but so little of the episode is given to that moment. And there's no musical cue to accompany it. Yeah. Like speaking of music. That moment where Zero turns back into Zero after being assimilated, they grabbed music cues from Birth of Kirk in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek in a way that I felt was unfair because that moment in that movie fucking devastates me. Yeah. And you start hanging moments in this show on those chord progressions. Fuck you. Like, (laughs) I became resentful about it because it was making me feel things that I didn't think it had earned yeah i mean it's a show for kids so i guess it can cheat i guess it can cheat with that stuff but like you're right like this moment feels super momentous like their entire goal for episodes and episodes has been become paragons of this starfleet ideal that hologram janeway has been telling us about take the ship back to starfleet become honest members of starfleet and find out like who doll is learn the secrets of the diviner all of that stuff and it's all just like hey like we're setting all of that aside we can't go to starfleet for now maybe we'll find something eventually but not for now the answer to who and what doll is seems more intense and complicated than ever after the last episode but we're also perfectly satisfied to set that aside And then, like, it ends on this, like, high note of, like, oh, like, there's a distress signal. We're going to go do it. We're just going to go be, like, a privateer Starfleet ship. Right. We're going to be the Starfleet cargo cult that just does all the things Starfleet does but is not connected to the Federation and can never be. They're going to walk the Earth and get into adventures. (laughs) Yeah. They got a name for that, Jules. It's called a bum. I think it's a bit adventurous that a kid's show would feature Doll putting a wallet that says bad motherfucker into his back pocket. Yeah. At the end of an episode, but this one does. So the protostar plots a course for adventure, much like the Newport cigarettes print ads (laughs) (laughs) asked us to do. The Newport cigarette print ads called and Omar Little answered that call. Yeah. Finally, we get a a button where Janeway's shovel ship arrives at the comm station we visited in the last episode, or at least where the comm station used to be. Decimated. No sign of survivors. I thought for sure we would see a floating Barnes Franks. (laughs) Uh, Much like Cooper from Event Horizon. We don't. Nope. He's dead. Or presumably, missing. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny how this moment pivots so quickly from what could have done this to the comm station and why it's just a fucking comm station. Like, who would burn a torpedo on this thing? And also, Janeway's fear for Chicote. 
Yeah, she's like, why would, like, Chicote would never do something like this. Yeah. But then if you see, like, some of Robert Beltran's politics and the way he tweets, you'd be like, maybe he would. I don't know. Oh, no, really? Yeah. What? He has bad politics. Oh. Yeah, unfortunate. Damn. Finally, the diviner has woken. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his beeps turn into like strong beeps. Yeah. And his brain activity glows a certain color. And then his eyes snap open. He's not the babbling diviner of earlier. Yeah. The glows in his brain were like unmistakably the same color glows as the living construct has. Interesting. Dr. George Costanza, nowhere to be found, also. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you should concentrate more on uh, on practicing medicine and a little less on your quips. Yeah. He's like in the mirror, like practicing, like roasting people yeah. in a different part of the ship. Uh, well, that's where the credits roll. And uh, that's the end of this episode, Adam. Yeah. Did you like this episode of Star Trek Prodigy? The tension in my answer has everything to do with what a children's show is capable of or willing to do and whether or not this show is definitionally a children's show. Right. And if Star Trek Prodigy is a children's show, then this is a better episode than if it's not. If it's not a children's show, this one is a real mess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a Nickelodeon show. I think we can safely put it in the children's show category. But the same episode that assumes an understanding or an ability to understand how Borgs work should also assume an understanding of plot that doesn't need the amount of papering over of the holes that this episode really needs to resort to in a number of areas and i just think in general i have never been a fan of the constant defanging of the borgs year after year they took a perfect enemy and have just chopped knee after knee off of this great alien race this proud alien race <laughs> that are just trying to do their assimilation jobs out there. Yeah, yeah. Look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Just a flesh wound. I don't know how you create something so threatening and then do everything you can to make it safe. And I don't think in a children's show, the Borgs have any place in it. Like, I think this is fan service for adults. And I know how shitty it is to use that term, like fan service. And I don't... I don't mean that as venomously as I said it, but like you don't need the Borgs in a kid's show because in order to have the Borgs in a kid's show, you need to weaken them in the way that you do here. Like use any other race than them. It's very like convenient that the Borgs are just there and then they're just there, but also asleep. Yeah. And I do sort of wonder like, does the kid watching this find the kind of horror tone the atmospherics of the cube so freaky that it almost doesn't matter it's not one of the scariest things i ever saw as a kid was the episode of sesame street <laughs> where bert and ernie go into the tombs in egypt yeah and they find sarcophagi of bert and ernie and they come alive and they do things behind their backs. And it like it really scared me as a kid. And I think one of the reasons that it did was because it looked like them. And for them to be on this Borg ship and to not see a Dal alien on board, to not see themselves as assimilated, I think is a massive whiff yeah. in an episode like this. Because that's a way to scare a kid while not like paralyzing them with fear. At no I mean, point. This might just be a tolerance issue, though, Adam. Like, you, you're saying that about that episode of Sesame Street, but I'm saying this episode gave me nightmares. <laughs> I haven't slept for two weeks. The threat on the Borg ship is the numbers instead of the specificity of the threat. And I think yeah. I wish it went in a different direction in that way. 
I do too. I think that this is probably the weakest episode of Prodigy I can think of so far. It felt like they needed to hand wave out of the premise of the show almost. And I don't know how many more episodes there are this season. It seems like, I mean, there's at least a few more. There's at least 20. (laughs) But like, I don't know. I don't need to hand wave out of the premise of of the series this quickly. And and this cheaply, like it feels right. it feels cheap. But again, like getting back to the original thesis, like is it cheap because it's kids, or is it cheap because of some other reason? I don't know. Yeah. Also, Janeway, blow up the damn ship. <laughs> like you'd think, Hollow Janeway would at least float the idea of, hey, you know, if we're going on side adventures, and maybe we find a place that. Seems like a cool place to set up shop. Uh, maybe we blow up the damn protostar. Right. Like, here's here's an idea, hologram Janeway. Sure. There's five innocent children <laughs> and one slug. But you're in the middle of a Borg's cube. You've got a ship with a star inside of it. Yeah. And a weapon that could destroy Starfleet. One of the best auto-destruct ships ever made is the Protostar. Setting the star drive of the Protostar critical. You You'd take make a out, black hole. You take out a Borg cube. Yeah. You take out the living construct. Unfortunately, a few casualties of this. Sure. Murph will probably make it, but everybody else does. But like, that's a win for Starfleet, right? Sure is. Acceptable losses considering the circumstances just an idea i don't know <laughs> yeah no i agree uh do you want to see if we have anything in the priority one inbox oh yeah priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel couple of p1s here today adam the first one is from a p1 inbox regular it's from ryan from Sacktown, and it's to ben and adam it goes like this I was just listening to the season finale of Lower Decks episode and heard you had run out of P1 runway. So I thought I'd offer my congratulations, W slash R slash T, the new baby and new dog. Also, thanks for the awesome bonus pods. Factory Seconds is great. Thanks again for continuing to brighten up my work days. Hey, thanks, Ryan from Sacktown. What a nice thing from Ryan from Sacktown. Yeah. I've got it on good authority that Sacktown may have a good cheesecake factory or two. Oh, really? In their city limits, yeah. It's too bad. We were kind of uh, hoping for a bright future for Factory Seconds as a podcast, yeah. but uh, you missed the meeting on Monday, so... Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's true. I mean, few people know that Sacramento is actually the capital of California. <laughs> so, uh-huh. they're, so capital cities... Have the best cheesecake factories, right? Yeah, all this was discussed at the meeting, so yeah. you don't need to tell me. Yeah. It was a great meeting. Yeah. I'll I'll catch up on the minutes later. Oh, no, we didn't keep them because... Uh, oh, that's right, because I'm usually the one that keep the meeting minutes uh, yeah. for what we do. Yeah. We figured if you didn't come, you probably weren't committed to the project, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a great track record of successful side podcast projects, Ben, so sorry to miss out on this one. <laughs> wow, absolutely savage. <laughs> I got punched into a corner and I said something terrible. <laughs> Nothing but nice messages in our priority one message inbox, Ben. Let's go to the second one. It's mm. from your exclusive best friend, Steve, and it's to my exclusive best friend, Susan. That message goes like this. I wanted to wish you a happy birthday and tell you how happy I am that I got you to be a viewer of this dumb podcast, even though you don't even watch Star Trek. (laughs) Just wait for all the drops and impressions you're about to discover. Like Kevin. Chief O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. Ensign Rowe. And for some reason, Jake. Because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It's me, Jake. Love you and how amazing you are. Wow. Oh, Susan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Exclusive best friend Steve may, be, uh, may find that uh, they're 
not an exclusive best friend anymore. Yeah. You know, best friend is a level, not a person. Unless you're Susan and Steve, but I could see Steve kind of being reorganized somewhat in the hierarchy, you know? Hey, Ben, where I'm from, it's Adam and Eve and not Susan and Steve. <laughs> wow, that's a brave stance to take uh-huh. on this show, Adam. Uh, <laughs> well, if you'd like to get a Priority One message for a friend, loved one, or best friend, mm. head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set one up today. Lots of uh, availability over here on Greatest Trek. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a Barnes Frank? Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Yeah, I got one. Okay. You know, sometimes we do a, uh, a that guy or a contest winner or whatever, like a background actor. Sure, sure. On our hit podcast, The uh, Greatest Generation. Right. The Drunk Shimoda will often be that for me. There is a Borg's drone in this episode that we see a couple of times from a couple different angles. He is the Borg's drone that looks like he's wearing five dinner plates on his forehead. (laughs) I've never seen a drone look like this before. Yeah, there's some wild headgear in this episode, drone-wise. He is my Barnes Franks, because what's his deal? Yeah. In a a Mark Maron kind of question way, like, so uh, what's up with that? (laughs) Yeah, You know... He got popular because he asked such insightful questions. What about you, Ben? Dino Borgs. <laughs> <laughs> got to get uh, the Barnes Franks yeah. uh, award to Dino Borgs because Dino Borgs is, boy, I'll never stop thinking about Dino Borgs. Dino Borgs didn't have a tail, did they? I don't know. I wasn't looking at that ass. It'd be cool if they had an ankylosaur tail. Wow. You know? Right? That would be really cool. Do you think there's Tuskman jealousy between hmm. the Tuskman and the Dino Borgs? Yeah, like you've got even better like horns. Those those horns are fucking thick with two C's. Yeah, they really are. They're kind of chode horns, aren't they? Yeah. Those uh, you hope those horns have a flared base cuz otherwise they're getting lost. Yeah. Maybe you know what? Maybe Dino Borgs can be Jankum Pog's Chodich. <laughs> oh, boy. What do you think of that? Uh, well, this was all worth it. We're definitely getting P1s next week. <laughs> Adam, before we end any episode of Greatest Trek, we like to... Uh, the words of our viewers into our own mouths <laughs> for a segment we call Warning Boys. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning Boys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Ben, we've spent an hour spewing awful filth from our mouths, and now uh, we'll give that job to our viewers. A warning yeah. boy has been detected, Ben. What does it say? This is from at Locified on Twitter, a social network I'm sure we will all be continuing to use for many years to come. Hey, Ben, (laughs) uh, news on that front. I finally got a blue check. Wow. (laughs) Are you happy for me? So happy. Uh, (laughs) I've been on that hell site for 12 years or whatever. Never gotten one before. And uh, yeah. Just got it. Great. Pretty cool, huh? You can't use the company card for that. Um, Oh, man. God damn it. The tweet here is, I believe I've been listening to too much Greatest Trek because when my five-year-old drank his syringe of children's ibuprofen in one go, I congratulated him for taking it to the dome. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) You remember what that tasted like? The the kid's medicine? It always tasted like bubble gum, right? Oh, I always, I think I had like a, like an orange flavored one. Is that oh. Trimenic? Oh, Is I that... remember Trimenic. That was so good. Remember the yeah, that was a, Damn. that was a dope one. 
What do you take that for? Like a cold or like an ear infection? I remember it being for colds and coughs. When, yeah. when you're a little kid, you get that orange, that orange yeah. scissor. Mm. You have to be an adult to get the grape stuff, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, <laughs> I got the adult type of scissor one time when I was in high school and uh, I was taking it to go to sleep when I had like a, a terrible cough. And this is back in the day when you had a uh, communicable disease, but you still went to school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to. I was taking the scissor to go to sleep, and I was uh, driving my father's car to school the next morning and uh, realized that I was incredibly doped up from the codeine in my cough syrup still. And uh, I had to like pull over on the side of the road and like ride out how, how doped up I was <laughs> or it was safe to drive. Ben, there's a store in LA on Melrose called That's an Awful Lot of Cough Syrup. <laughs> Have you seen this store? I don't make it down to Melrose as often as I uh, apparently should. I'm down there uh, more and more lately, and I have not been in this store, and I, for the life of me, can't tell you what it sells. <laughs> I'm hoping it's a pharmacy of some kind. It seems like it would be. I'm guessing shrink-wrapped Jordans and other collectible high-top sneakers. Damn. Do you have to take the shrink wrap off? Like, if our parents bought shrink wrap Jordans, they'd probably wear them with the shrink wrap on, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if there's grandkids coming over, you're going to want to leave the shrink wrap on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just about <laughs> this episode. If you'd like to serve as a warning to us and others, make a social media post about the show. Or nostalgically remind us of uh, medicines we used to take when we were kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a nice trip down memory lane. Yeah, uh, put it up on uh, Instagram or Twitter, or uh, I'm sure that there will be some kind of replacement social media network soon, right? I'm hearing people say, Ben, that you will not replace Twitter. That's Wow. That's the rumbling <laughs> that I'm hearing over there. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like Twitter is kind of going as expected. Yeah. <laughs> Exposing you to some interesting new ideas that you hadn't encountered before. I know. Look at me in my blue check. I finally made it. <laughs> King of shit mountain. Congratulations, Adam. <laughs> For information about the next episode of Greatest Trek and uh, Star Trek Prodigy, why did you listen to these damn credits? Now oh, these credits are going to be great. You're going to love them. Hey, guess what there's not going to be in the credits? An apology. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we're not fucking holding, we're back on, on this show <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, we're turning our Prodigy episodes into this. This is what they are. This is what Prodigy episodes are now, okay? Look, take us or leave us. This is what we're doing. If you don't like it. You know what? Tell us in a P1 if you don't like it. You don't like it that much? Yeah. Download it on the phone of somebody you hate. Yeah. You know what? If your mom is looking to get a little jazzy, <laughs> maybe you download this episode. Yeah. You think your mom's going to notice if you subscribe to a Star Trek podcast on her phone? She's not. Your mom's going to love Chodich jokes and <laughs> jokes about trapdoors hidden and come. Yeah. She's going to think the show rules. Yeah. She, you know what? She's going to become a lot cooler than you ever thought she was capable of. <laughs> you know what? I like that cum joke. That cum joke was quite funny. I told your father about it and even he laughed. He doesn't think anything's funny. All right. Take it away, Wendy. <laughs> Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 13, it's called All the World's a Stage. The crew answers a distress call to find a colony trapped in Starfleet's past. As an audience-supported show, we want to thank the members who are supporting the ongoing production of Greatest Gen and Greatest Trek. If you'd like to join them, $5 a month gets you access to monthly bonus episodes from Uxbridge Shimoda and the entire network of shows at MaximumFun.org join. Adam Ragusia created the original music that you hear throughout this show. You can find his podcast and YouTube cooking channel by searching for Adam Ragusia. 
Thanks to Nick Dittmore for the show art and Bill Tilly for managing the social media pages. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter and use the hashtag Greatest Trek to talk about the show online. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. doing this for me Ben and I'm doing it for you Woosa. all right it's gonna be really great it's gonna be fine maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported